All right, we are rolling. Welcome to A Witch and a Buddhist Walk Into a Bar, episode yep. three. Episode three, where we have a guest this time. We, yeah. <laughs> we're, today we're joined by Pastor Kendall. <laughs> Kendall Odell, thank you so much for joining us. This is fantastic. I'm really excited. We're also going to be drinking a, a Cabernet Sauvignon. That's, how do you Benz, say that? Benziger. Benziger. <laughs> I am not uh, okay, educated we're, we're enough to uh, pronounce what this is. This did, did you not, hear that ding? That was it did, nice. It didn't come from the bottom shelf this time, so I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Exactly. <laughs> I can pronounce the ones that are from Modesto. I don't think that one is. Bezinger? Bezinier? <laughs> Bezinier? Family Winery. Well, anyway, it looks good, so let's hope it is. All right. Okay. This is how we start the. Ep- this is how we're gonna start yes, the episode. We're very indecisive. This is only our third episode. We're still kind of. I don't even know. <laughs> not sure what we're doing with our lives yet. <laughs> I'm not. I am totally not either. Fantastic. Well, I think the first thing that we're gonna talk about, since, you know, we want to talk to people from all different religious traditions, and obviously, you know, many of you may have heard of Christianity. Maybe uh, our listeners maybe. might have heard of it. It's a, uh... <laughs> I'd say one or two listeners might have heard may have heard of Christianity. <laughs> one of the well, it's one of the big ones. So yeah, what, it's a good place to start since especially so, we're Americans living in a post-Christian culture. Well, you know, if I'm you haven't heard that. of Christianity and you haven't heard of Jesus and you never confessed and you're going to hell to burn forever so yeah I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad we're all on the same page oh, about good. that I'm happy to hear it. happy to hear that we're all, we're all that's one of my favorite discussions to have is what about those who haven't heard it's always a funny discussion well we'd love to have yeah, that discussion I, I today at some that. point yeah well, let's go right those? now I'll... yeah let's do it right now well let's well, start let's oh, start by go. talking a little bit about your religious background and talk about kind of where you are. Yeah, okay. let's do that. So, where did it start? <laughs> well, probably from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I attended my first church service when I was 5 days old. And until my son was diagnosed uh in the year 2000, I had missed I think one church service in that time. Wow. So, wow. Like, we were the kind of family that went to church when we were on vacation. So, um, that is mm-hmm. all I knew. At this point, like right now at this moment, I haven't been to church in like two and a half years. So, uh, things are radically different. I'm not pastoring anymore. So, that'll, um, that, that's a completely different story. But, yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's how it all started. I was born into it. And, as far as far as the history of that or the, or the story of it, it was all I knew. But at a young age, certain things didn't add up to me, starting first with the Pentecostal tradition that I was raised in. And and then from there, it just kind of steamrolled. You know, it, it, the question started adding up. The very first thing that really bugged me was I was very athletic and I was good at a couple of sports and uh, I wasn't allowed to play in my Pentecostal tra- tradition. It was very strict. So that really bothered me. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that part. That yeah, sports aren't was, allowed? <laughs> uh, not in mine, no. Competitive mm. sports were not allowed. And I was, uh, I know this is going to sound like the older I get, the better I used to be. But <laughs> I was a good basketball player. And in our small high school, I've 
Well, I was a good basketball player. I'll just leave it, at that. I'll leave it at that. because if I go any further, I'm going to sound like I'm full of crap. So, um, but but when I was not allowed to play, and the coach saw me and took me up to the office and laid a jersey on the on the on the desk and said, "Show up tonight. You're in the starting lineup." That just killed me, and and so it just kind of set mm-hmm. off. I had always been frustrated with certain things, and that set off. A question, but the problem was there was no one I could express those questions to, because in my form of Pentecostalism. But then I eventually found out in Christianity in general, you can't question things. So right. you just—I just lived in misery and put up with it until I could get out of it. So wow. Uh, so 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 then the, the so if so the second piece to that, if I can, is yeah. I, I got out of the Pentecostalism thinking that that would finally set me free from all of the silliness and the rules and the regulations and the, 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 the you can and you can't and you have to and you can't and all, all of the legalistic hellbound jargon, you know. I thought getting out of that would finally be the freedom I always wanted. And I think what I found is that it was actually worse outside of Pentecostalism. In our tradition, in Pentecostalism, um, women couldn't cut their hair, had to wear skirts or dresses, couldn't wear pants, uh, no jewelry, makeup, all that kind of stuff. Guys couldn't play sports, wear tank tops or shorts or any of that. And what I found was getting out of Pentecostalism was just, it was the same thing with different clothes in the closet. Mm. And in some ways it was even worse. And so that was really disheartening to me, and it really took me back to the beginning where I had to start at the very fundamental uh, beginning of, of, of everything is, is there a God? I had to answer that. I had never answered that question in my life. And so— It was never a question. I knew that. No. Yeah, growing up, there was ne- that, was, that alone was never a question. First of all, that yeah, right, to, mo- right. to most people is never a question, yeah. And then— you know, the Bible was always true start to finish, too. Mm-hmm. In, in... Infallible, yes. Yeah. So for people, listeners that maybe haven't, aren't familiar with the Pentecostal tradition, can you give us like a little bit of just like a, a, a quick synopsis of what sets Pentecostalism, Pentecostalism apart from other Christian denominations? Like in your mind, what's the, what stands out? So like the one thing that separates Pentecostalism from everyone else is this one word, tongues or Mm. speaking in other tongues. So that's the big deal. In Pentecostalism, tongues is everything. Tongues are greater than God. You know, I mean, it's it's like if you speak in in tongues, you are it. If you don't speak in tongues, you're lost and going to hell in my Pentecostal tradition. Now, there are other Pentecostal traditions, such as the Assembly of God. uh, In their culture, if you accept Christ as your Savior, baptized, whatever, then you're saved. If you speak in tongues, then you're kind of on a higher level of Christianity, or, or your faith is a little—they call it, the, uh, I think, the second work of grace or something like that. So so you're considered—it's like you have a special group of people in the church that can speak in tongues, and those that don't, they're kind of on the lower scale. Mm-hmm. Which, um, In my tradition, you had to speak in tongues or you were not saved. So that's How really the one wow. thing that set us apart. And in our particular tradition— we were United Pentecostal, and I don't. I try not to do a bunch of background bashing. I'm just telling you how it was. Yeah, and that's all we um, need. <laughs> it was, the, the dress code was a huge deal, 
and Acts 2.38, which is uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name. And when I say in Jesus' name, it's you had to literally very... say the words in Jesus' name when you were baptized. If you said in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, then they would say, you're just taking a bath, you're just getting wet. That was the tradition I came up with. <laughs> oh, wow. So, um, if, wow. And, and then the third thing was you had to receive the Holy Ghost, uh, not the Holy Spirit. Like early, <laughs> there was this uh, always this big thing about you can't say Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Ghost, King James Version style. Mm -hmm. So you had to receive the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in other tongues. And so you just did that, and you uh, then you were saved. In my particular case, I didn't really, I didn't do any of that for a long time. I finally was baptized. My mother stopped me one Sunday afternoon, and she said, you really need to get baptized, so I did. Um, I didn't want to get baptized because I can't swim, and it's because of this horrid fear of water. Mm. It's um, Going underwater is brutal for me, and particularly being laid backwards in the water, forget it. Oh, I mean, that's man. just... It's, I, it's to this day, it's awful. So all I remember about my baptism is getting into the water. Um, supposedly somewhere in that I spoke in tongues. I have no memory of it. Um, they would say that's because you were caught away. Yeah. <laughs> the reality yeah. of what happened was is when he laid me back in the water and it was my dad that baptized me, I guess I completely freaked out. I jumped over the railing onto the platform <laughs> and I ran out of the sanctuary. So <laughs> now in the Pentecostal tradition where they do lots of jumping and dancing and shouting, they call it, I guess everybody thought I was being really like, uh, shouting or praising yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, you were shouting. And, and they were know about shouting. Yeah. And you were mostly having a panic attack. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. The truth was I was scared of that, and I, don't, and I had no memory of it. So I was told about it afterwards. So, um, so yeah, there's my salvation experience. It was just glorious. <laughs> Interesting fact, this is a total side note, but I live next door to an Assembly of God church. Uh, <laughs> I actually yeah. live, there are 10 churches on the street yeah. that I live on. There's quite a I'm few. I'm not kidding. I'm, 10 churches. We're worried there aren't enough. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just half the churches in our, in our small town. I live in a town of 6,000 people. It's really small. But, um, wow. but yeah, there's like 20-something churches Yeah, here. there's quite a few. And, uh, yeah, I live, you just... Spitting distance of like six of them. <laughs> anyway, so that's just a funny side note. So outside of that, did did you ever like? Because when I when I as a as a non Christian looking at speaking in tongues, when I see that, I see kind of a a state being induced that happens in a lot of ecstatic traditions, actually, where you're almost going mm -hmm. into an altered state of consciousness or a trance mm -hmm. in that sort of manifests according to which culture is using it did you ever get to the point where you were speaking in tongues do you have and did you have any um like looking back on it now like how would you interpret that do you think did i personally no i didn't uh which was one thing that bugged me because everyone else well i shouldn't say everyone else most everyone else seemed to have these experiences and i didn't mm. so I always felt like I never fit in. All of the frantic, loud, running, shouting, jumping, and spinning and all that, I never did any of it. It was weird to me. My mother never did either, by the way. But uh, it just, 
I, I never got it. I never understood it. I could speak in tongues, and I couldn't do it right now. I won't do it because, <laughs> I don't know, it, just, it, it feels disrespectful. I understand. But, but it's, I, I believe very strongly that is that it is uh, either a learned behavior or it is this state of euphoria that you're speaking of. And interestingly, this happens in Judaism. It happens mm-hmm. in Islam. It happens in um, Hinduism. It happens in many world religions or not even religions in in just certain it there's a history of it in the lsd culture yeah you know, even, yeah like, like rock <laughs> concerts the same exact kind exactly. of thing happens right. yeah definitely right. yeah and it's really so predominant it's, in african traditions like traditional Africans. oh yeah like it's a big deal in those traditions oh, yeah. for sure yeah absolutely so it's for, for me it was very much a learned behavior and i am embarrassed to admit that I did it because I knew I was supposed to, but there was this nagging thing of like, I'm such a fraud. And I think um, that's most people though. I mean, I think that's most people yeah. in there to, to be honest. Yeah. Maybe there's a I, sense of imposter yeah. syndrome for everybody, you know, <laughs> it's kind yeah. of a fake it till you make it sort of, sort of deal. I've been to a couple of services, uh, where there was a lot of like charismatic stuff going on and a lot of people speaking in tongues and then people getting touched uh by the spirit and then falling Mm -hmm. over and all that kind of stuff i've actually been to a couple of those and just a couple and i always felt like almost like there was a some a mass hysteria happening (laughs) like so much of it is psychology yeah and if you for example you'll see some of these TV guys where they touch somebody and they fall backwards or whatever. That happened a lot. Well, so, so here's what happens. Kind of like is stage if you hypnotism see, in a way. Mm-hmm. If you see seven other people get touched on the forehead and they fall backwards, and then it's your turn, yeah. first of all, you, you know there's an expectation like everybody else did. So if I don't, then something's wrong with me. There's that element happening. And then secondly, they'll put these, they'll say, okay, let's get the catchers behind. They call them catchers. I don't know why. But, uh, uh, get the catchers behind them. So there's this this psychological reinforcement. You're about to fall backwards, and so you do. Um, That's I have the power su- of suggestion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely, it's the power of suggestion. And so I actually had this happen in the church building that you went to, Tim. Uh, this is before I was the pastor, um, and I want to be careful here because I don't want to sound like I'm tearing people down, but I never was, that was always difficult for me that, those kinds of people that would put on those kinds of shows. I struggled with it intensely, and I would try to find excuses to be gone out of town or whatever. But there was this one fellow who would knock people over, and he tried to pray for me and knock me over. And, of course, I'm, like, like resisting. I'm, I'm like, oh. every muscle in my body. <laughs> oh, and the guy pushed on me so hard. Mm. Uh, I didn't fall over. Like, I won. Like, yes, I got him. <laughs> 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 But um, I, those things, like I had questioned that or been frustrated by it since childhood. But I think the follow-up to that in evangelical Christianity, that's where things really got to the boiling point where, like, if this is, if something's screwed up with this, I know something was screwed up with the Pentecostal stuff. Now this is screwed up too. That really led to, like, a, a crisis of faith. And, and it's a crisis of faith that, honestly, I pretty much kept to myself and in my own home because you don't dare you don't uh, there's a verse in the bible uh, come to him without wrath or doubting and it's taken completely out of context but 
that use it don't ever doubt. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't doubt, you're brainwashed. And so right, that's I just like had cultish. to work out this crisis in, in my own self without really talking to anyone. Those were miserable years, but mm. um, I'm glad it's over anyway. Yeah, that's when, yeah, that's really intense. So when, when you say screwed up, like what specifically in both traditions were the things that you fit that like in your heart and in your spirit were the, like the hardest pills to swallow when you say screwed up, like, well, in Pentecostalism, I think I pretty much covered that, um, Mm -hmm. the rules, the regulations, the, the, um, fear, yeah. Oh, fear. Oh God. Yeah. Um, the fear was intense as a smaller child. I would kneel by my bed to do my bedtime prayers because that's what was expected. And I would end it every night by saying, uh, and Jesus, please don't let me die and go to hell. Like I was, that that was, uh, it was, um, it was traumatic, the fear. Mm. I remember being at a church function one time. Oh, Oh, it froze. Sorry. (laughs) And, Oh, there we go. Oh, there we are. Okay, we're we're back. Okay, so um, got close to the fire, and the the heat hit my hand or whatever, and there was an adult sitting close to me and said, you got to remember, hell's going to be a lot worse than that. You know, just those moments, that'll live with me forever, those moments. Mm -hmm. And It's kind of like child abuse, really, when you think about it. It it absolutely is abuse. It, it, It is... Uh, I'm going to go off on a tangent if I see, uh, yeah, it absolutely is abuse. I've done that. I've gone and, on tangents <laughs> about, <laughs> about that well, exact kind and, of thing. And it's difficult because from their perspective, because they, um, you know, hell is such a, a, a overarching reality for so many people in different Christian mm-hmm. traditions that when they use that kind of fear tactics on children to them, it's more of a mercy in their minds. Mm. I got to think. But or yeah. what do you, what do you, I mean, I've never been in, in there, so I don't know, but maybe they think it's like, oh, that you're, they're helping their children because Absolutely. they're afraid. They're oh, they're definitely, yeah, they definitely think that they're helping. Yeah. So they Absolutely. wouldn't see they it say, as we're abusive. We're saying this out of love. We love you so much that we're going to tell you that this is going to happen if you don't do such and such. Right. That's the absurdity of the excuses that they use. Right. Um, uh, so, so if I, can I just throw in mm-hmm. something here about hell? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so the idea Please. of hell. Um, because he, as so, let me start first with, with the Bible and its infallibility. I think that's a ridiculous idea. I love the Bible, and I think it's a wonderful work of literature, and it's a great representation of culture throughout some Jewish history, especially, and even some early Middle Eastern history, and it represents a lot of the culture and the view of God that they had at that time. It's very barbaric in places, so. It's, but the idea that it's infallible, I think, is absurd. Still, if you take it literally, and, and I say this often, uh, taking the Bible literally is a killer to people that are literalist. Because if you take it literally, there is no burning hell in the Bible. And and I, and I, I mentioned this to you in a message, in a, mm-hmm. in a uh, Facebook message the other day, Tim. It's like, I don't know if no one was listening or what, but in all of my years of pastoring, I never talked about hell. I guess I should have been more clear and gotten up and said, this is ridiculous. But <laughs> the, the but in the Bible, okay, so we have three words, two in Hebrew and one in, in Greek that are translated into the word hell. In the Old Testament, it's Sheol and um, Hades. Both of those mean resting place. Simply mm-hmm. that. 
Okay, so it's a place of resting. It's a place of holding until whatever day that one is risen or whatever. However, that is Jewish tradition has different ideas of that within its own uh, religious culture. But in the New Testament, the word hell comes from one word, uh, a Greek word called Gehenna. Now, Gehenna was the was the waste dump outside Jerusalem, uh-huh. and the way that they handled garbage in that day was that they had outside of most every town a dump and they burned it with fire and that's how they got rid of their garbage and so the fire would never go out and and so Gehenna was just outside Jerusalem and anytime Jesus would threaten people with hell and say you deserve hell he was saying and by the way he was always saying it to the religious people (laughs) never to the hookers and the drunkards and the whatevers. He never said that to them. He said it to the religious people. He would say, you deserve Gehenna. He was speaking, they should just throw you in the dump. You're useless. That's what he was saying. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it had nothing to do with the burning hell. So then we read in Revelation, which is a very suspect book to start with. Mm-hmm. Someone um, was tripping balls are... when they wrote that book. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I... Martin Luther, by the way, thought that Revelation, he called it um, uh, something theology, um, monster theology, I forget, I'm, the word is slipping. I always have this at the tip of my tongue and I don't have it now. Um, ambush theology is what he called mm. it. Uh, he hated the book of Revelation because of certain things that it said. Number one, it's completely unclear what it's talking about. The four-headed horseman, who, like, seriously, who the hell is that? I mean, yeah. like, the four-headed... Uh, and then we come up with all these ideas, Gog and Magog. When I was a kid, Gog and Magog, Gog, I think, was the USSR, and Magog was America. Well, then mm-hmm. the USSR it, it was changes gone, every so generation. Yeah, have, every you know? generation. They change what it yeah, is. Like, yeah. so every, it changes all the time. So anyway, that book is very, in my opinion, not very dependable, and it was not canonized for several hundred years because people fought of it, liter- fought over it. Literally, people fought to the death over the Book of Revelation. That's how much oh, controversy yeah. there was about yeah. it. Yeah, so it is a trippy book. It's, it's a, a pretty fascinating. I was driving. Okay, this is. <laughs> I just have to mention this because it's hysterical. I was on a road trip and we were driving through a really windy road in the dark, and I'm flipping through the radio. And Angel likes to do this thing where she likes to listen to the the preacher channels just i don't oh, I know why it. yeah she does it <laughs> Same reason. and it's, it's it's so fun she gets such a kick out of it and she's just uh, anyway and i'm like oh okay fine so we get to one station and it's literally a reading of the book of revelation hmm. and there's all this music behind it i don't know if it's like handles messiah or something so crazy. really epic going yeah it's crazy like music. epic like someone is reading revelations and, like, John Williams did the soundtrack to it or something. It's insane. But anyway, it, that book is crazy. That just got me, like, yeah. in the dark and listening to this. And all. it's, I'm like, wow, am I, did I die? Am I, did we die? And, and to, my, <laughs> to my, under, my personal understanding of Revelation, and again, I'm not nearly as educated in, in uh, biblical history as I'm sure um, Kendall is, but I, um, I, uh, feel like so many of the symbolisms and, and things that are in it had to do with events that were relevant to whoever the writer was, whether it was John or whoever actually wrote it. Like, like I've heard that 666 is some sort of a numerical s- code for uh, Emperor Nero. I don't know if that's true. Well, um, I don't even know. The 666 <laughs> thing, that's... 
Anyway, there, what are there's your, so there's much speculation. So yeah. the, the thing I was going to reference is in the book of Revelation, it speaks of the lake of fire, and they shall be cast into the lake of fire. Oh, yeah. Which mm-hmm. burneth with fire and brimstone, the King James Version says. So um, what is interesting is, and, and this is just, this is the value of studying outside theological settings because you learn things that all of a sudden give light to what is written in the Bible. And I think this, by the way, one of the things I was very discouraged from doing as a youngster is getting educated, like education is of the devil. And here's why, (laughs) because when you learn stuff like Mm -hmm. this, everything starts to make you say, oh, that's what that was talking about. But the lake of fire, uh, you've heard of the Dead Sea, Mm -hmm. um, which is close to Jerusalem. So, so out of Gehenna, downhill, uh, Jerusalem was a, a, an elevated city. So running down from Gehenna was the runoff from all of the garbage, and it was a liquid, like a, a, heating, a heated liquid that was running off from the garbage pile, and it ran so into the Dead Sea. Magma. So what did they call the Dead Sea as a slang term? They called it the Lake of Fire. Oh, so, fascinating. So, so you add all of that up, there is no hell in the Bible, not even remotely close. And in fact, we don't see hell coming to the picture. Uh, hell as a burning eternal place until the 14th century, Dante wrote yeah, I was this book say, called Dante Inferno. Dante's Divine, Com- exactly. Divine Comedy, yeah. yeah. And, and even that idea didn't catch on until really the early 20th century. So the current theology that we see in mainstream Christianity and in evangelical Christianity is only about 100 years old. So it's uh, a Pentecostalism is only about 100 years old. Um, so, so many of these, uh, a lot of the foundational principles that you and I understand, Tim, from our backgrounds, mm-hmm. uh, it's based on absolute nonsense. And yeah. <laughs> I say that with, I, I don't say it in a disrespectful way. I want to be really careful not to sound like a little know-it-all sitting in front of my computer, but it, it's what I, my view the, my view, okay, the, the way that I t- tend to see things spiritually or as far as Christianity goes is really more of a traditional historical Christian view that goes back 1,800 years. And, and Oh, I think we we may have lost... Right wing... Oh, there it goes. Oh, wait. Oh, hold on. Sorry, just a second. I think my, my, we're internet, having a little my internet must have been, been get, getting weird. Okay. I think we're back. Yeah, we caught. Okay, we, back. Yeah, you, you. We lost you at. Uh, you. You were just talking about right wing something. Yeah, you said right wing. <laughs> okay, uh, th- this whole idea of, uh, of, um, of, say the sinner's prayer or. Oh shoot! Shoot! It happened again. What kind of? Hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kendall. I got. I don't know if my internet is acting up or what. I blame I blame God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> well, there we go. Okay. Okay. Is that I working? I think we might be back. I don't know. I want to yeah, let's check. see what your Wi-Fi I looks like. My... Uh-oh. I think we've isolated the problem here. Okay, wait. I think so my computer is saying that there's no internet connection, but I'm still, we're still, you seem to be there. Let's just try to we'll keep going. We'll try again. Yeah, yeah we'll try to keep going and then see what happens. 
I'm, I'm hearing you fine. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's keep. Let's Sorry keep going. Sorry to keep interrupting you. So we're back. Back at right wing something again. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we still know. So, so uh, the I guess if I if I would fall into any, any category of Christianity, it would be more like progressive Christianity or whatever. Mm-hmm. But really, it's it's a reversal back to the traditional view of what Christianity was at one time, which is a very inclusive, um, a radical grace accepting mentality rather than do this or go to hell. And Christianity modern day is do this or go to hell. I thought getting out of Pentecostalism would get me escaped from the, 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 the whole do this or go to hell thing. I got into evangelical Christianity. It was the same thing, except maybe worse. And, and so that mentality didn't, it, it took 1900 years for that kind of idea to develop. So, um, so, so mm. yeah, the, this is more of a traditional view that I take. Um, although the label for it is Bible hating liberal, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Tick, reprobate apostate <laughs> that's oh, yeah. kind of the yeah that's the label that goes with it so you know i i recently watched this interview with this pastor who uh i wish i could remember the name of the church i obviously didn't become prepared for this very well but um it was a church in washington and he was talking about how he came out as uh being a what do you call it like an lgbt uh, affirming church oh. when they had had no prior statement about it and I guess overnight like they lost half their congregation when he came out and said this like he was getting death threats like it was just crazy you know I did yeah and it's really in my brain because I'm, I'm also this is going to sound really strange but I'm a fan of the Bible as well as like a literary work mm-hmm. and when you actually read the people that Jesus was hanging out with and who he talked to and all this stuff, it's, it's so opposite from what you end up seeing in most traditional American Christianity. So I feel like Christianity as a organization is completely against what Jesus was, which is ironic. Absolutely. But so I guess what I'm getting at is, so as a pastor who has more of a leaning or had more of a leaning towards inclusivity and, and the things that Christianity or what Jesus exemplified, do you find that like pastors who lean more that way are almost like punished by most of the uh, overarching <laughs> culture? Or Extremely, did you yes. ever experience that? Um. So again, just in case this is listened to by the wrong people, I want to be careful how I say this. But, and I certainly don't want to make myself out to be a martyr, or like poor old me, because <laughs> as far as inclusiveness goes, in uh, the 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 gay community in whatever form, however letters you want to put it, there are so many different ways to say it. But mm-hmm. if you are going to be accepting of that culture and that community, then. Uh, Rejection is automatic. So th- there, there are two things in Christianity that if you embrace these two ideals, you are toast. One of them is an affirmation of the gay community, supporting gay marriage, or good God, if you perform a so-called gay marriage. I think that's such a funny term, a gay marriage. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. It's a, yeah, it's a marriage. Like, oh, are we all happy or what? You know, it's, it's, so it's, but, yeah. but if you, 
Yeah. Every marriage so is gay if it's done right. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what? Slightly off subject, I always get so cracked up at the term of mixed marriage. Um, mm. when, when, when it's interracial, I just love it when, oh, when people say mixed marriage and like, isn't every marriage a mixed marriage? You know, it's, I, uh, that's funny. It, that's a yeah, side every marriage is a, it's so yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, the, the, if, yes, if you do that, you are setting yourself self up for rejection and I won't go into specifics about who, but, um, there's basically been a mass rejection of my. Uh oh, hang on yeah. just a second. I don't well, know. Oh, there it goes. Sorry about that. We lost you again. Okay, continue. It's, okay, it's back. Okay. Mass rejection of go. There, there is <laughs> there there is a mass rejection. You you find yourself disinvited to <laughs> a lot of things, and you become a pariah. I, I guess it was good for me to experience that because it lets me have just a tiny taste of what a lot of gay people experience in our mm. culture and especially in our churches. I, I've suffered very little compared to what that culture does and that community does, but it gave me a taste of what it must be like. And, and, and you, you know, I can do a lot of statistics, but uh, worldwide, 50 gay teenagers commit suicide every day worldwide. Um, awful to think about. And, and you know, and the root of it is so often religion. Yeah. And, and in fact, almost always, so you, you you start looking at the <laughs> at the climate that we have created by our rejection. And, and you're right, Tim. the The message of Christ is in inclusiveness, not exclusiveness, of bringing people in, not pushing them out. And when you look at what we have developed, where we are this club with rules to be in this private club, we're setting ourselves up for those, for those kinds of stories. And so just to experience a tiny bit of hurt that a lot of these people have, have experienced. I have yet. Oh goodness. Sorry. We lost the connection. Shoot. Even in the future, nothing works. I know. What is going on? It has nothing to do with this. I just plugged this in as a precautionary measure. Oh, shoot. Okay. Well, let's call again. Let's call again. Should we? Well, it says connecting. We lost it. Hmm. Gosh, darn it. Hold so on. Good. <laughs> so pause, pa can we pause it and start it again? Wi-Fi on. Yeah. There it goes. There it goes. Your call was dropped. Well, it's saying that I have Wi-Fi. I'm trying again. Yeah, we'll just try again. <laughs> do, 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 this do, is do. fun. <laughs> do you remember the last thing, what he talked about? We were talking about the LGBT community in the church and how you cannot say that you're, you're uh, for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I think maybe we can you can probably edit that later, right? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Please leave a message. Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh wait, it might not work. It's still saying mother effer. Hold on. 
<laughs> oh, it's ringing. Something's happening. Finally oh, we okay, got it we back. Got it back. Oh, jeez. <laughs> sorry. That was that. awful. So sorry. No problem. So I don't know what it is, but the internet. I'm connected to Wi-Fi, and the internet's just awful. Anyway, now yeah. we're now we're all weird, weird. Uh, ah. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> there, we, there go. we go. Let me see what happens if I do this. If it switches. Oh God. There we go. There That's we go. what we want. Hooray! Okay. Better. Oh God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Much better. Oh, God. <laughs> Everything's falling ah. over. This was like... All right, where were we? We were talking so, about LGBT inclusion is, called, is, is suicide. Were, yeah, you, is yeah. Like career suicide. We were, I, was about, I was about to say something, but I got a question. If, 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 you're, if you're an atheist, are you allowed to say, oh, God? That's well, true. Maybe not. That's true, but I'm not an atheist. <laughs> yeah, we're not. We're not. I, I, I don't... I don't um, yeah, that's a funny. That's a funny situation. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's kind of one of those things that we just say. <laughs> so, I guess the question that I wanted to ask you specifically is like we've talked a lot about issues that you've had with Christianity, but that you've also kind of come around to maybe a different way of embracing the parts of it that work for you. So, mm -hmm. in your mind, what what are what Okay, so in in this world that is just inevitably shifting towards more inclusivity, more um, kindness, hopefully, towards one another, what does Christianity still have to give the world, do you think? Like, what's what's the core that keeps you keeps you going <laughs> if, if, if there is one? <laughs> um, as I fumble over my words here. Um, I guess, well, you can tell I'm struggling to answer this, huh? Um, <laughs> I think a sense of community is important and valuable. Uh, most people that leave Christianity for, what, for whatever reason to go to whatever setting the thing that they end up missing most is um, that sense of community. So I think that's valuable. However, I think there is also danger in that community because that community is often very separated and very exclusive. And I find value in actually getting out of that community. Mm. So I kind of said that's one good thing, and then I said it's a bad thing. But it, it's, I totally understand, though, because that's... I I just listening to you talk I'm like man I I miss that. I actually miss going. Michelle says the same thing. And actually. listening I never felt that. Okay. I never really felt that way growing up, but when I started mm -hmm. attending church where Kendall was the pastor, there was something not to <laughs> not to blow up blow you up too much but no no please keep talking keep yeah talking. exactly no i just talk just right now having this conversation i'm like man that i really did miss that like i miss listening to you talk to be honest and that okay, was, so it was great let me, let me just tell you why i think that is and this is just this is a guess we've never talked about this before but i tried very hard to make church a place of encouragement a place of 
inclusiveness and I'm not just in the you know the the popular fashion that that word is used now but I mean for everyone period that no one is popular or unpopular you're not weird in fact people that are weird I'm attracted to people that have eccentricities <laughs> mm -hmm. are, are even are, are just are delightful to me I wanted to make it a place where everyone left feeling way better than they did when they showed up and honestly and I, I wanted, did <laughs> and that, yeah, I, that's something and I was going to say means, and, and, and whether that means a great sermon about Jesus was preached or not um, I don't want to say that that's not important it's not like I shoved it aside and said who cares but I wanted everything that, that came across to be encouraging positive enlightening and to ultimately make us better people when we walked out the door when that kind of community is built I think it is incredibly valuable so that part of Christianity is um, remains important to me and, and so can I just jump into this one thing as a yeah. as kind of an end around to answer that question yeah. so so here's I went through my own period of is there a God and I concluded for me yes but is it represented through this religion called Christianity well I tend to see God through the concepts and principles of Jesus yes uh, as far as who is Jesus well you never hear this in church but for the first 250 years of Christian history there was actually a huge battle within the early church over who Jesus was mm -hmm. it was divided about 50 50 about half of the people thought he was a, a religious reformer and so they held their Judaism traditionally and they honored Jesus as one who had reformed their religion the other part of Christianity were, was were, were those that believed Jesus as the Messiah that he was God in the flesh and so that battle went on for about 250 years uh, eventually those that were Jesus is God that group won the war so they ended up collecting their materials canonizing their literature uh, the book of John was written I don't know, 150, 200 years afterwards, filling in some of the questions that still remained. And so uh, we ended up with this thing of Jesus is God. And while Christianity, that is everything, to believe that Jesus is God, I tend to try to focus on the principles of Jesus, such as uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And just that last part, as yourself, in Christianity, we're taught, you know this, Tim, you, you know how often this was just, you, you would get pummeled by this from the pulpit, like you're nothing, you're terrible, you're a sinner, you're awful. You're, yeah, you're, you're taught to hate yourself, lady. essentially. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yes, how can you love yes, somebody you if you are. Yeah. yeah. That is the, but, but Jesus, but here's the principle of love your neighbor as yourself. Like you're actually, like how can you love others unless you love yourself? <laughs> To quote RuPaul. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. To quote RuPaul. How the hell are you going to love anyone else? Yeah. Can I get an amen? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> hey. so, 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 the, so here is something that I discovered when I really started to dig and ask questions. I found out, and this was for me a, um, I, I don't know, an evidence, a, uh, I don't know, a road sign pointing to, but every world religion, on the face of this earth carries within them two common principles 
Number one is love your neighbor as yourself. Not everyone says it exactly that way, but it's said in some form, love your neighbor as yourself. And number two, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That is in every world religion, even in the most remote parts of the earth. I've watched TV shows uh, where they go into these villages and these cultures that have no knowledge of the outside world, and they have this own little religion that they have that no one knows about, and you find those two principles in every single one of them. So for me, and, and if, whether this jives with some people or it doesn't, I don't know, uh, but for me, that was a pointer to God. Like every spiritual setting on earth carried those two principles. How could those two principles, and in, in the scripture, Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Why would he identify it that way? And then we see it in every world religion. I, I see God in that. Now, if others don't, that's fine. I'm not going to fight over it. But um, that principle found throughout the world is amazing to me. And, and so I don't look to uh, I, I find spiritual enrichment in so many places besides the Bible. Uh, certainly the Bible is valuable to me. Uh, there, there's a lot of music that, uh, you know, Tim, you would have loved the last days of our church because it, it was like we would do five or six songs and all except one would be secular, like Beautiful Day from U2 or um, a lot of Foo Fighters stuff. And nice. I was amazed at how deeply spiritual those songs can be. I'll tell you something that's just that would blow my mind is to do Beautiful Day, and our band was kind of more hard rock than anything else. To do Beautiful Day at volumes that was incredible. I mean, it was a bombastic rock song. And at the end of that song, for there not to be a. Oh, darn it. What happened? I was wrapped in that. What happened? Uh, again. What the heck happened? Oh, no! Oh, shoot. I don't know what that was, but did you see a glitch? Yeah, I think it's trying to reconnect. Exactly well, a dub, I, for I, sure. I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, the, the la what I would say was... Uh, there's we so so the i don't know should i just jump back in where yeah I was? just jump okay? right back, Go back in to yeah, where you were we'll at. Okay. so kind of the idea that we try to create was god is everything and everything is god rather than trying to put a box over here called church and we go do church and do god is try to incorporate that idea of uh, of representing Christ-like principles to everyone in every day of our lives at all times, rather than just having an event that is called a worship service on Sunday. And, and so, like a lot of our music, we started putting, like I mentioned, Beautiful Day. It's amazing to have this rocking, really loud song, and at the end of it, there's no applause, there's no nothing, there's this hushed quiet of hallowedness that was a God experience for me that was mm. spectacular. It wasn't worked up. It wasn't like nothing was said that was overtly religious. It was just an experience that did something to me 
emotionally, um, I don't know, endorphins or whatever, but I mean, it just was for me a deeply spiritual moment. And it taught me that I don't have to go and do a religious thing in order to experience God. I can drive in a car and listen to Hey Jude or Let It Be and have a spiritual experience that ultimately is not just so that I can feel good, but so that it can motivate me to do things that... Seriously? Seriously. This is the worst. This, this is the is actual worst. The absolute worst. This is the worst day <laughs> of podcast history. We need a... It's... I blame... I blame I blame Trump. <laughs> Trump's America, man. This is what we've God. come to. Welcome. Seriously. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's just oh, it just gets God, so it gets so good and then all of a sudden it's like It's like F you. Shoot. I think that we're just maybe we'll just have to redo this one. What do you think? It was so this has good, gotten though. so this has gotten so crazy. Do you want to come over for Indian food? Mm-hmm. Okay. Would that make you feel better? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll make it when we get back. Please leave a message. Yeah, I think we're just going to have to say the end for now. I think we should finish up where we were at, and then maybe we'll go from there. Yeah, how does that sound? Yeah, I'm, I am I don't know where we were at, so I'll let you. Well, I'll let you. I think that where where before before Mark Zuckerberg, if you're listening, what the fuck? Like really? Like come on, it's goddamn, it's goddamn 2019. What the fuck is happening? Anyway, um, second of all, I think we ended it saying that that for you, um, what I think you were getting at was that it christianity and god and all these things don't necessarily have to be something that's outside of the world or outside of our everyday existence and it shouldn't be yes yes and um and i think there are i think that what we do and this isn't just christianity i think there are so many religions that do this is we tend to put God within the framework of our understanding or whatever we've been taught and we limit him to that, uh, limit her to that. We limit God, the goddess, whatever God may be. And so we, 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 we limit our understanding to that which we already know rather than experiencing God in a variety of different ways. And I, and I'm not just trying to say this to suck up to you guys but i i find more i find more commonality philosophically with atheists than i do with christians um one of the things that i wanted to do here uh if uh, unfortunately life circumstances in the health of our son 
I just can't do it anymore, at least not right now. But if I ever do get back into this, I would love to have, and church isn't the right word, but an atheist or non-theistic anyway. Um, yeah, non-theist. Gathering, yeah, on, on Sunday or whatever day and have music and have encouragement and have community of leaving all of our God ideas out of it because if, and I think, I think that it could actually work and it could include people who believe in God because if you believe in God, then God is going to do whatever God can do through us regardless of what is said in a gathering on Sunday. And I, I would love someday to have that kind of a setting where, um, uh, uh, Tim, you know, Tim, you know, Nathan, um, yeah. and I, I tell Nathan quite often, he's the best Christian I've ever met. He, he literally is. If you, if you want to talk about Christ-like principles and having the attitude of Christ or what we talk about Christ being, Nathan was more of that than any of the Christians that we had or Christ professors. So it, it's ultimately, if we really believe in Christ, we're going to do the principles rather than talk about the principles. So why not meet together, encourage one another, have this incredible uplifting setting, and then go make a difference in the world? That seems to make sense to me. So that's like a big-time goal that I have for someday. If I ever do go back to, and I guess you wouldn't be pastoring, but whatever it would be, yeah. I would love to be involved in a community like that. I think it would be super cool. And I think for those that miss being a part of something that's encouraging and uplifting and meaningful, I think it would be productive. Um, so there's one of my – I'm saying that to say that I think that those who – I don't care for – like when I say I believe in God, I get a little irritated when people on the atheistic side of the fence will say to me, you're simple-minded, you're imaginary friend in the sky, whatever – Honestly, that kind of irks me a little bit. But to be fair, I think the Christians have kind of asked for it because they've spouted so many things toward the atheist side of the aisle. But um, so, so I, I think when we when we get past all of you know the, the Christians yelling, it's the fool that has said in his heart there is no God, and then you know the mm -hmm. other side mm -hmm. yelling back, your imaginary friend in the sky. When we get right. past all of that, it. it we all end up being identical in in life. We're brothers and sisters in the human race. Why can't we work together for something good? So I find more Christ-likeness in atheists than I do in Christians, and I find that both very troubling and very enlightening and encouraging. So I like that. And, you know, as, a, as somebody who's practicing, I guess what you'd call like almost like a fringe, <laughs> fringe religion fringe. or whatever for myself <laughs> – um, I get really frustrated when, especially in American culture, like people view any belief in religion as evangelical Christianity. It doesn't matter what they're talking about. They're like, they kind of almost mm -hmm. assume that anybody who has any kind of spiritual belief whatsoever must believe that God is this actual giant person in the sky who's mediating everything we do. And the only alternative to that is atheism. And that's such a an oversimplification of like the extreme complexity of human spirituality throughout the last however many thousand years that I feel yes. like I, I don't like that view that like 
It's definitely that an over you have to be one or the you have to be one or the other. Yeah. yeah, and that those are the two modes of being, and it's completely wrong. <laughs> that not yeah. not all religions are moralistic. Not all religions are theistic. Not all religions are what we think of as religion. But I think being raised in a Christian uh, a Christian culture for the most part, or a post Christian culture, we hold prejudices. That, about what God is and what religion is that we don't even realize we're holding. Yeah, very well said. And at the end of the at the end of the day, I think we're all, in some ways, we're all searching and we're all guessing at this. Mm-hmm. No one wow, that's has really good. absolute definitive proof of anything. None of us. None of us do. And how much? One of the things that you. Uh, had mentioned that you were going to ask is, uh, do you ever have doubts? And if so, how do you process them? And I wanted, uh, before we end this, I, I just I wanted to say, uh, to address that, do I ever have doubts? Every single day. Yes, I do. I have huge doubts. When I think about my westernized view of God sitting here in my three-bedroom house and two-car garage and my car that I'm going to drive, and my, you know, our skyscrapers and our six-lane freeways, we view God through that lens. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the Sierra, in the Sierra Leone, in Africa, where the average life expectancy is 39, where ten-year-old kids are working uh, 17, 20 hours a day to dig diamonds out for us to wear, uh, their God view—how different is it from mine? And what lens do they look through? Mm. And, and so, totally. So when I see that. And the death and destruction that they experience at our expense, because we want to decorate ourselves with something that's shiny. Do I have doubts? <laughs> oh hell yeah, I have doubts. Uh, and so, what do I do with those doubts? Uh, how do I deal with them? The answer is I don't. I I embrace my doubts. I love my doubts. They are. I will get more emotional and more choked up over my doubts than I do my faith because if if Without doubt, there can never actually be any faith. And so mm. those that have that proclaim themselves to be people of faith and then say they have no doubts, um, their, their faith, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in it. If it hasn't been processed through doubt. That's really beautiful. Doubt ends up being. God. That's very beautiful. I love doubt because I couldn't actually see God until I went through my doubt. I'm mm. so thankful for doubt. So I don't deal with it at all. I embrace it and I love it. And I wake up every day thinking, what can I learn today? What can I see today that I've never seen before? I'm old. I'm 53. I'm headed towards the latter part of my life. How can I spend the last however many years that I have finding out something new about the world, about God, about anything? So I don't deal with my doubts. I embrace them. I love them. That's fantastic. I love that so That's much. That's beautiful. That'll, I love That's that. That's great. Response. You just took our you just took our podcast to the next level of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Wow. That's you, so true. You just did a major Pentecostal cliche right there. Going to the next. We're going to the next level. Yeah. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and tell them we're going to the next level. Yeah. <laughs> So you know, you can't see me right now, but I'm running around the room and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm and hollering, you know. Yes. He just ate glass. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. 
Uh, well, thank you so much, Kendall. We're so I I am so glad that you uh, agreed to join us. Yeah, on this, and you know? I'd love to talk to you more again when we yeah. when we actually we'll fi- figure out how to use our we'll, our we'll figure stuff. out the internet situation <laughs> and get that we'll okay, get that sure. squared away. I would love to because you you mentioned you miss being in a setting. I miss I I miss it and I don't miss it. Uh, we're doing what we have to do to take care of Titus. He's not in good health, mm. so it takes it takes both of us. The last four months, our church was open. I had to leave in the middle of sermons seven times to come home and get him off the floor. Aww. So I, I just can't I can't do it anymore. Uh, so so that's kind of where we're at. And I desperately miss, I miss music, and I miss um, I miss just sitting on a stool and talking and being a part of something that is enlightening and encouraging and fun. I miss it desperately. So any chance I get to talk about it, yeah, heck yeah. You want to do more? I'd be happy to do more. Oh, so, great. Yeah. We'd love oh, to have, yeah, I'd love yeah. to have you again. We'll definitely, we'll definitely do this again. Yeah, and I, I really, I mean, we didn't get to broach it this time, but I would love to talk to you about a little more about the evolution of Christianity, you know, because like we were saying earlier, so many people assume that Christianity is this one thing that it's always been and it's just not the case whatsoever. We we did oh, we talked absolutely. about it a little bit. We talked about how like most of what people view as Christianity now really came to came to be in the last hundred years or so. But Yes. But um and Yeah, go ahead. And what we current oh sorry, go ahead. No, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> the, the culture that we find what find ourselves currently inhabiting really has only been in place since about 1981 or two. And it has coincided with conservative politics, Jerry Falwell's insertion of himself into the political process. And yeah, the, I would love to talk to you about that particular thing, uh, how that has changed Christianity radically. In 1979, when Jimmy Carter was president, uh, there was about a 50-50 split among Christians, whether they were Democratic or Republican. So now we have this thing where if you're not a Republican, you're going to hell. And yeah, that's it's, super interesting. That is really disturbing because we've created these culture wars and this us versus them mentality, and it's destroying Christianity. Let me read this actually so quickly. Ninety-five percent of high school kids in the United States do not profess Christ as Savior. Ninety-five percent of the five percent that go on to college, 75% of those walk away from their faith while in college. So Christianity literally is is dying from the root up. So it's in 50 years, it is very reasonable to expect this isn't going to be around anymore if we don't change something really fast. Right. There are three issues that we have to address in Christianity. One is what do we do with the gay community? Number two, what do we do with politics? And number three, what do we do with abortion? If we don't get through, through mm. those three issues, Christianity will die. It, That's it, so true. At, in its current form. So I would love to talk more about that. Absolutely. That I would also love to yeah, talk about that. We can dedicate that. a whole episode to that, actually. That would be fascinating to talk about the transformation of Christianity and hopefully where Christianity is headed in the next 50 years, like we're saying. Yeah, that's a great... We'll do that. We'll do that very soon. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would love to because I'm fascinated by how that that mentality of right wing extreme conservatism 
conservative Christianity took place in about a three and a half year span. It was wow. not Jerry really? Falwell. I'm, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump into that. I can't help myself. Jerry Falwell gave his <laughs> first anti-abortion speech in 1978, five years after Roe v. Wade. Wow. And three years later, this became um, basically the litmus test whether you were a Christian or not. Three yeah. years earlier, it was no one had even heard of it. Well, it which wasn't is even an issue. And it's fascinating so now, to me that there's there's instructions for a ritual that involves an abortion in the Old yes, Testament. Yes, that's absolutely correct. It <laughs> so, is in the Book of Numbers. Yes. So yeah, yeah. So 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 the idea that it was something that was completely banned. In Israel is uh, absolutely infallible, even by the Bible standards. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So and we've got people running around now, you know, talking about infanticide and murdering 60 million people. And, and literally no one has actually opened up a book and read it and learned what history has taught us. Jews themselves who wrote the Old Testament, the people that wrote the damn book, they said themselves that, all of the verses that we use to condemn abortion, they say, no, we, that's not what we're talking about. It has nothing to do with that. Here's another interesting thing. The nation of Israel is in the top five in abortions per capita in the world. And guess who funds that? The United States of America does. We send them about <laughs> $8 billion a day in funding. And in Israel, you can get an abortion that's government funded. Now, we won't do Planned Parenthood here, but we'll pay for it over there because we because of our pro-Israel policies. So... Christians, right-wing Christians in America, through their taxes, are paying for abortions in Israel. Wow, so, that's so ironic. That is very ironic. Yeah. Goodness. So I'm going to get all worked up about this now because it's just it's so frustrating that we've made that the litmus test rather than love your neighbor as mm-hmm. yourself. You know, mm-hmm. I've often said that that the stuff that Jesus instructs you to do in the New Testament is not easy stuff at all. Like to love your enemies. No. All these things. So, but I feel like so many people end up defaulting to the hard um, Old Testament rules because, in a way, it's easier to try to enforce that than it is to do the things he actually said to do, like love people you don't like. <laughs> you know, yeah, and lo- and love, love being an action, not an emotion, also. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, brother. Preach it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just out of curiosity, Kendall, have you seen the film Jesus Camp? I have not. I've seen excerpts from it enough to know that I don't think I could bear to watch it. But it's it's a hard it's hard to watch. It's hard, yeah, it's rough. But you should if you if you if you get a chance. There's there's a scene. I just this made me think about it because there's a scene in the movie where they're like holding little little like baby dolls like. Uh, yeah, they look like maybe they're like pre-born babies or like little models or something. Yeah, fetus like, models. Yeah, and yeah, and and they're like I don't know. They're they're all talking about I don't know. And they're getting these kids. They're, they're up kids. They're tears they're, these are little and kids. Crying yeah. and it's really and they're like crazy. You know, people are killing babies. babies. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that just it made me think about that when we were talking about it. I was like, oh, this reminds me of Jesus Camp. Yeah. But I actually. Oh. Kind of went to well. I mean, if you've ever been to Vacation Bible School, it's kind never, of the same never was thing. sent. But Thank, yeah, I'm, I, I'm happy to say. I'm <laughs> pleased to say I was never sent. To <laughs> anyway, it's a, it's hard it's hard to watch, but it's 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 non biased. Like that's what I like about the film. 
is it doesn't it doesn't flat out say anything bad. It's literally just showing you what's going on, and it's like you can make up your own mind about it, and mm. it's it's hard. Well, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, I I would love to talk more about this stuff because I see hope. I feel hopeless when I look at the overall structure of it, but I see hope, and I actually think, and I don't know if we're still on as far as recording or not. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're still going. But uh, I, I think that Donald Trump is the greatest chance we've ever had to reform Christianity because Christianity has thrown itself behind a career criminal who yeah. practices and brags about his his disgusting immorality. And, and you know what? Who sleeps with who? I don't care. Whatever. Do your thing. But to then go brag about it in a way of I assaulted them, I did it against their will, and brag about it, and then we back him up and say, you know, finally God is back in the White House. We have perplexing. We have, it's perplexing. It is perplexing. Oh, it is. And, and it's and like it, God it, chose oh, the this, pussy grabber. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it, I said it. It is. I mean, agree with them or disagree with them politically. It's like, do you see what you're actually propping up? I mean. Uh, Christians danced around the fallen body of Bill Clinton when they discovered his sperm on Monica Lewinsky's blue dress, you know. Yeah. It was, that was really a big turning point for me when I watched them rejoice over Bill Clinton doing something wrong. And and then and here we are loving this guy, proclaiming that he is the man of God for this country to turn us back around and bring us back to faith. And then he stands up and says stuff like two Corinthians. Like, are you kidding me? Two this Corinthians, is, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. I you're right, and I feel I feel like those people who have been holding him on this pedestal are also opening the door to our decline in Christianity because young people who don't want who are being raised in a culture where it's not acceptable to assault women, where it's not acceptable to hate people because of their race or their orientation or whatever, um, are getting to watch this and see that this is the mm-hmm. ultimate hypocrisy. You know, Absolutely. and and they're going to use that as their judgment for Christianity from then on out because this is how they've been introduced to it. Oh, these people say this one thing, but then they do this other thing. Yeah, I was just talking yeah. to Angel about this. It's a little off off uh, topic, but I was saying like the reason that I think that uh, so many of the right wing conservatives can uh, excuse Trump for his obvious bad behavior is like. Um, the same reason that people look at the Bible and say, well, you know, that was, I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain it, but like, we'll excuse, I I was saying if, if Obama was caught saying some of the stuff that Trump has been oh. recorded saying, oh my God. they would impeach him. Yeah, it would have been would nuts. Impeach oh him it would have been crazy. And it's just amazing how like, they'll look for like, I don't know. Yeah, you, you get it. I think in the, I think in the long run, there's the potential that this could be, this could be the fire that reignites a true Christ-like, principle-driven Christianity. In that, if this house of cards falls, like I think it could potentially fall, and he is exposed for all of the things that he has done, and Christians are caught red-handed popping that up. My hope, my prayer is it puts them to their knees saying, God forgive us for ever making politics 
and abortion and gay marriage and all this stuff a priority. Let us go back to the roots of what you taught, which was the very simple, like you love your enemies, love your neighbors yourself, do the others that you would have them do to you. Let me go in humility and go to the park where the homeless are, and rather than yelling, get a job and still get something to feed them with. Uh, yeah. that's, that's what I think could potentially happen is that Christianity returns back to its roots when they realize, oh my goodness, look what we have done. We have propped up this, well, all yeah. kinds of names <laughs> I want to call them. Um, so I see hope in it. So uh, we'll see what the next year is. I, I, I'm afraid that if we go through this Trump administration and nothing catastrophic happens to the Christian community, then it is absolutely headed toward death. And you know what? For me, that's fine. Because as it stands, it needs to die. Oh, that's a, that's a, that, that, that is a power. That's a powerful uh, statement. We, wel- we welcome a new a new uh, a Christianity yeah. that is more true to yes. to Christ. I yeah, think, to, yes, to if, the roots. If you're going to follow the things Jesus actually laid out, then I think Christianity has a place at the table for this world that hopefully most most people are on board with creating. Where basically it yeah. boils down to those principles of. Just not being a shithead to each other. Yeah, exactly. It's that easy. Everybody knows that's how <laughs> yeah. we should be, and we just choose not to because it's not easy, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's just... And that was that was something I was... I'm sorry. I know we were trying to wrap it up, and I'm kind of extending things further. But when we were talking about um, loving your neighbor as yourself, and I would take that a step further, at least in my own tradition, in the way that we kind of view things, where you, you start to see God in the other, no matter who that yes. is. And that's part yes. of where that love and respect comes from. And I feel like when you've created a worldview that's completely world-rejecting, that God is this thing that's separate from the world, completely different from it, we're in this fallen, evil state, and God is way up there somewhere, and we're trying to get up where God is, instead of seeing God with us now, that that creates yes. kind of a kind of a, um, a catch-22 in a way. Like, how can you love and respect the other when you don't see God there, you know? Yes. Yes. When you said that, see God in other people. Can I read you something real fast? And I promise I'll Absolutely. stop reacting after this. Absolutely. A friend, of, a friend of mine who identifies himself as a pagan, he wrote this. And it was so spectacular. I printed it out and handed it out at church. It's so amazing. Here it is. He wrote this. <laughs> We're in for My religion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he writes this. My religion. Every human being is sacred. They are your brother, your sister, your son, your daughter. Treat them that way. In each person resides a spark of the divine, that intangible something that makes them human. I adore that. When I see people, in, and he wrote this in Stop and Shop, which is a supermarket where he lives, he lives in the South. He said, when I see people in Stop and Shop, a supermarket, at work, in traffic, I know that I am connected to them through that single divine spark, and I treat them as I would myself with kindness, love, and respect. That, friends, is my religion. Like, that's amazing to me. Amen. <laughs> hey, I, I'll say amen yeah. to that. That's incredible. Yeah, that was really Very good. Very well done. That was great. Yeah. That's a that's a great way to wrap this yeah, up. Yeah, let's wrap this one up with that before something else bad yeah, happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, um, that was that was fantastic. Kendall, thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, we really appreciate it. This was a really great talk, and we'll have another good one yeah. once we figure out how our computer well, works. Yeah, we'll do this again, <laughs> for sure. 
This was so good. Uh, really, yeah, really uh, appreciate you joining like, us. Uh, and I appreciate you having having me as a guest. And I would love to talk more because I have so much to say. <laughs> yeah, in any situation, whether it's on the podcast or just for you know to to talk about it. But yeah, yeah, this, this is a lot of fun. So I, I appreciate you guys. Yeah, thank yeah, you so same. much. This is. Yeah, this is great. Thank you, Kendall. We really appreciate it. And we're going to sign out. Um, <laughs> we keep dropping shoot, my phone on the ground. I know, we keep dropping it. Well, we'll say goodbye first, and then yeah. maybe we'll wrap it up. Okay. There, that's how we'll do it. <laughs> so, all right. Thanks, Kendall. Thank uh, you we're so gonna, much. We're going right. to say goodbye, Thank and you. you have a great night. Thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to talking to you again. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks a lot. Let's do it again soon. Okay. Perfect. Bye now. <laughs> there we go. Now we can oh, figure we out did how it. to we close. We okay. did it. Uh, uh, we got some dialogue in there. That we got was some... really good. I feel like this was a really good episode. This is... I, I, I even like our, I mean, I thought about editing out our our uh, internet break. <laughs> Might like, as well just weirdness. leave it. <laughs> But I'm thinking, you know what, let's just leave it. Let's just leave it. This It'll is raw. Fun. It'll be entertaining. Uncut. This is the real deal, people. <laughs> just know that when you listen to this episode... It's it. There is no. We're not. We're not. But what? Uh, uh, we we drank a bottle of wine. So yeah, I can't we, talk. we literally drank a whole yeah, bottle of wine. Just so now. <laughs> that's just the way it is. Which was very good, by the way. I it wish was I could delicious. It. What is it? This is for no. We can't. We're going to talk about it. It's Ben uh, Ben's Benziger. Benziger. <laughs> Benz. I read it as Benziger. Family Winery Cabernet Sauvignon, and it was what year was this? I can't. Uh, I don't know. Two thousand sixteen. Uh, was good, that was actually a terrible year. That was like the worst year. That was one of the worst years. Terrible year. Good wine, though. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna sign out. It's been an hour and eighteen minutes, and uh, I think it's time to to sign out. And I believe our next episode, we're going to be interviewing Zach Purin. Yeah, next episode is on Zach. what does it's it mean to be an agnostic? Agnostic agnosticism. So we got to talk to a Christian. That's, that was fantastic. That yeah. was great. I'm really happy about that. Yeah, that was really good. That, was, that worked out so well. All right. So, uh, so well, we're signing out. What, I forgot what we agreed our sign out was. Uh, Blessed be. And I, we said namaste. That's, that's definitely not, Buddhist, not a Buddhist not exactly thing. Buddhist. You, you got to figure, figure out, out a Buddhist. Hold on. I'm actually going to go on Google. I'm going to try Do you have to sit in see. silence? You could sit in silence. I can sit. <laughs> Ten minutes. And say nothing. Say absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That's whatever. Actually, you know what? I'm going on Google right now. I'm going to keep recording. People are going to have to listen to this. Look, people. Sorry about it. If you like um, our show, you're going to have to put up with it. This is this is the this is us. uh, (laughs) We don't know what the hell we're doing. Buddhist um, greetings. Is it? (laughs) Would you call it a greeting or like a salutation? Salutation. Buddhist salutation. (laughs) Yeah, I. I don't know if there is one. I don't know enough about Buddhism to say. Uh, you know what? I'm a Buddhist and I don't know enough about Buddhism <laughs> to say. So, what are you going to do? <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. You know what? Uh, yeah, oh, why did I think my phone would be able to load that? That's that's ridiculous. You know what? Um, Screw the sign off for now. We're going to say goodnight. We're we'll just going to say goodnight. We'll see you next time. And we basically love you.
Thanks like, for listening. Really platonically and not platonically, depending on who's listening. Yeah. I'll let you sort that out. <laughs> we love you romantically. All right. You have a great night. And. Adieu. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shoot. I thought I. Okay. <laughs> no! <laughs> it's. Still-